This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where right now you are going to find excellent, delicious, juicy sumo citrus at Zupan's and also Dungeness crab, which of course we know it's crab season. Delicious Dungeness crab, of course, Zupan's has an excellent seafood department. So you go in there and if you don't feel like Dungeness crab, you're going to find Excellent, whatever else you want. Uh, they have incredible scallops, by the way, if you've never yeah. had those. So, um, the scallops, anything else, and of course, their meat department is second to none. Yeah, you've often told me about uh, when you purchase swordfish from your local zoo pants. That's hard to get. I yeah. mean, it's something I was used to on the East Coast, and uh, really nice to be able to get it out here, too. And, of course, Zupan's sources from all over the world. So not only is Zupan's your place for local products, um, but it's a great place to get things from exotic, not even exotic, some of the best sourcing in Italy, Spain, all over, all over the world. Um, and I don't want to, yeah. And, and I don't want to skim over too much, Chris. You, you mentioned it at the top. Sumo citrus. It's tis the season, as they say. And we bought a bunch of those sumo citrus oranges over the holiday break. And I love. I can't stop thinking about them. They are like so perfect, sweet, seedless, juicy. The best citrus you will ever have. I know a good sumo citrus therapist. If you need to get it off your mind, it's, yeah, I, if it's too. I, I might need to. Or I might need to just go down to my local Zupans and buy a bunch more. Right. Just get it out of the way. But you know why they're so great? They're large. And then you you grab onto that. I don't know what to call it on top. There's got to be a name. And pull it, and it yeah. peels so easily. And then you're sitting there with a gigantic, juicy orange. Yeah. It's like Mother Nature gave this orange its own little lid to help us humans peel it. Exactly. And then made it really easy to peel. There's none oh, of that yeah. stuff where you're just like tearing it and going, oh, I got to get this stuff. It just comes off cleanly and easily. It's, yep. beautiful. it's pretty great. Three locations where you can pick those up. You got West Burnside, McAdam and Lake Oswego. And of course, we recommend people do what, Chris? Zoopans.com and subscribe to the news feed. All right, here it is. Time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. I'm co-host, Court Johnson. Well, hello, Court. Thank you very much for that great introduction. Listen, I just want to do a public service announcement here. I've always referred to my trips, Portland Food Adventures trips, as PSAs because I I really feel like I'm just doing people a service. It's the crappiest part of winter right now. I guess if some people like snow, they like this. But but anyway, we have a long way to go until the sun comes out and we have longer days. So now might be a time, a good time to plan a wonderful culinary adventure to either the Basque Country this spring, late April, or... Uh, we have in late September, we'll be going to Sardinia with dear Austri Ensign. And, uh, and we have a great group of people going on that trip. And then in early October, Andalusia with the folks from Urdaneta, both that trip and the trip from to Basque Country are with Chef Javier Canteras, 
JL, his wife, who is the sunshine that greets you at the front door at Urdaneta, and then Andre Barnes, their wonderful server who knows his way around Basque Country as well as anybody in, in, um, in Portland. And the four of us will host you there and also in Andalusia. So we have two spots left to our spring trip. It'll be our fourth journey to Basque Country. It's a great itinerary. We have two spots left to Sardinia. Um, and that is, uh, that'll be a fun group. We have all return people on that trip. And then also, um, if you'd like to come to and- Andalusia, we're half sold out and we just started selling that trip too. So Portland Food Adventures, uh, get in touch with me through, uh, on the website. There's a contact form. I'm also going to change my email address, I think, to pdxfoodadventures at gmail.com. That works now. And I think I'm going to try to transition that from, uh, from Chris at Portland Food Adventures, which is a lot to type out. But at any rate, those opportunities exist for you. Also, if there's anybody who wants, who might be interested in a safari in July, uh, to Kenya, uh, let me know. I'm trying to just put together a little group with someone I know, and that could be fun too. Court, have you been to, uh, have you ever, have you wanted to go on a safari? Is that on your bucket list? Yeah, I'd say that's on my list. It's not high on my list, but definitely something that I would want to do for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, so what should be on everyone's bucket list is pizza in Portland. And so this podcast, we have some awesome pizza people, Alan Maniscalco and Sean Wickham of Rally Pizza, which many people may know was due, had a very large space in Vancouver and most recently has started a residency at Victor 23 Brewing in Vancouver as well. So uh, nothing better than a great pizza and beer. Um, you know, they went through the pandemic, things changed. And then also they had the opportunity to open up a Lucky Horseshoe Lounge over on Clinton, um, which is going strong right now. And, um, uh, their, their daughter Sage is involved in that too. So this is a fun story with Alan and Sean. They met in Palo Alto. Um, she's a baker and both of them were significant parts of the Ken's pizza experience for years, Ken's Artisan Pizza. Um, we recently had Peter Court on, the new owner of Ken's Artisan. Well, Alan and um, Alan and Sean were there a while before and both have done a few things in Portland in addition to working at New Seasons. But now we can find them at Lucky Horseshoe and over at 23 Brewing with their Rally Pizza. And we talk a little bit about that experience, what that might be like. And I think everyone will enjoy it. Also, before we start this podcast, I just wanted to just give uh, everyone notice another public service announcement for all our vegan listeners out there. If they're not aware, it is vegan, uh, vegan dining month in Portland and court. Where can everybody find that information? Yeah, you're going to want to go to vegansbaby.com and look for the Portland link. But 
maybe specifically here, Chris, this month, it's the seventh annual vegan dining month, national campaign that promotes healthy eating habits through veganism. So 20 different restaurants, pop-ups, food carts around town are participating, all of which are donating a portion of the proceeds from their new plant-based menus to Meals on Us PDX, which is a nonprofit providing nutritious meals to individuals experiencing hunger and food insecurity. So again, the website to check out for Vegan Dining Month in Portland is vegansbaby, there's an S in there, vegansbaby.com, and look for that Portland link. All right, now it's time for our second podcast of our second decade. This is Alan Maniscalco and Sean Wickham of Lucky Horseshoe Lounge and Rally Pizza. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers and local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years, Ringside has been providing the best steaks and has been the home of the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures. It's your opportunity to travel to the world's most celebrated food destinations with Right at the Fork host, Chris Angeles, and some of his favorite chef friends. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com for exciting and delicious itineraries to Spain, Italy, and elsewhere. Stay in great hotels, eat incredible food, and leave the planning to Portland Food Adventures. I think we're going. Great. I think so. Yes, we got it going here with... Sean and Alan, thanks so much for coming. It's cool. It's and actually we got a sunny day here. I don't is it sunny where you are? It Most is definitely. for once, yeah. All right. So bright outlook for the day. So I'm really excited to talk to you because I found it a little coincidental that in meeting you, um, we had just interviewed Peter at, you know, who took over Ken's artisan pizza and that mm-hmm. you were an integral part of that whole operation for quite a long time and from its inception. So um, I think it's cool right through to having had a couple of iterations of Rally Pizza and uh, and your Lucky Horseshoe. I'm looking forward. I just made arrangements to go on Saturday with a friend. Oh, great. Oh, great. Looking forward to it. Just stop for a drink on the way somewhere. So <laughs> that'd be cool. So... Um, how I thought it might be, it might have been fun also to have your daughter on the with us because <laughs> she's to hear her perspective on all that's gone on. But you two have been all over the country. You've bounced, you've met, you've bounced all over different places, worked at some bakeries, and now you've uh, you've been in Portland for quite a while. Good for you. Yeah, this you've, is our twentieth year. 20th year in business and in life together, correct? Well, it, no, in, in, in Portland, we've been uh, oh, in 25 Portland. years together. So, yes. oh, okay. So most of it in Portland and you plan on staying, I would imagine. You got your, you got your roots down in both, uh, 
Oregon and Washington now. Yes. Well, good. So um, I, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, rally. Let's start with rally. You know, I had visited your restaurant uh, a couple of years ago. It was awesome. We're in the middle of kind of, I would like to say it's a continuing pizza boom in the Portland metro area. I'll refer to it that way because you're in <laughs> Vancouver at a brewery now. How'd you, how'd you end up, uh, what were the circumstances that led you to uh, open as kind of a pop-up or uh, an adjunct uh, to a brewery in Vancouver? Um, so- uh, we had been closed. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Alan. No, yeah, no, you got it. <laughs> so we had been closed for just a little while. We closed at the end of 2022, our uh, our, our brick and mortar up there. Um, and uh, I got an email in January from the owner of, of Victor 23, uh, Brian uh, Ward, and he was asking if we were interested in taking over his kitchen because uh, his um, – uh, his, his current pop-up was ending. And I thought that probably we wouldn't be interested, but uh, I happened to be um, up in Vancouver anyway. And I thought, what the hell, I'll go look at it and see what this kitchen's all about. And I looked and it, it was actually, I, I, I thought that it actually might work. And, but I wasn't sure. And I, I told him that I would um, help him you know, spec out a, a pizza kitchen one way or another, and that if it didn't work out with us, then hopefully it would work out with somebody else. And one way or another, he'd have a pizza kitchen. And I wasn't working at the time; we were still getting ready to open the Lucky Horseshoe. And um, but yeah, I mean, circumstances worked out. We found the perfect guy to uh, chef it for us, um, Alex McCormick, who is running it very well up there. And um, yeah, it's going great. They just got Small Brewery of the Year in Washington couple of weeks ago and winning medals for their beers and we've got good beer and good pizza and people seem to like it. Well, and you two know your pizza. So, um, <laughs> uh, you have, you got a lot of chops when it comes to pizza. Can, can we talk a little bit about, we'll come back, but I want to talk a little bit about, um, the, cause we, we just heard about it from a different perspective, but, the genesis of uh, being, you know, involved with the opening of, of Ken's was, were you also involved with the opening of the bakery as well? No, or, no. I, I got to um, the bakery, I would say somewhere year one, year two, maybe. Um, That's close. Yeah. Yeah. And so like uh, Sean and I moved out here um, in early 2003 and uh, we just, I mean, we moved out like no jobs uh, just kind of, this is where we wanted to be. I had lived here before and, um, I got hired on, uh, two days a week as a bread baker at Ken's. I was his first like professional bread baker. He had like, you know, professional pastry people and stuff. But other than that, it was just people who wanted to, no, that's not true. Bethany actually knew bread. So, um, but, um, I took over for him for his two days that he did production. And then it went from like, two days to three days to five days to production manager. And then, um, he and I worked really well together and he wanted to do, um, pizza and I had done pizza multiple times. And so we decided that we were going to put Monday night pizza together. Cause he used to have a Monday night cafe 
that did pretty well. And then uh, we picked up a couple of guys to do pizza with us and we uh, launched it and it was very successful. So what were, what was his bakery background at that point uh, to start Ken's and how much learning did you have from him or vice versa? How much learning from you did he do? Did he have? So, I mean, that bakery was just, just him. Like he was a software dude um, and software sales and he just wanted to do a bakery. And so he uh, learned how to bake. Um, He toured around, you know, like certainly I did a mixture of both professional and the whole touring around sort of uh, set up in the nineties, you know, getting into places, talking with people, learning how to, you know, like pizza, for instance, I had never worked in a professional pizza kitchen, but I had worked at places that had like wood fired ovens, helped build some wood fired ovens, um, talked with a lot of pizza makers. And so that's kind of how Ken figured out bread. And then he, uh, put his, uh, retirement up on the line and opened a bakery and was, uh, pretty successful at that. Um, when I came in, I had been doing bread for a very long time. Uh, Sean and I were co-owners in a bakery in Northern Michigan and we had opened other places and worked with other people. Um, and so for me, I was just, you know, looking for a, a job at a place that I could appreciate the product and, you know, raise our young daughter together. And that happened to work out nicely. And um, I will say that um, working together there, I was able to make the product the way he wanted the product made. And that was like helpful to him. And it was good for me. Um, And so we were when we wanted to launch something new, which was pizza, we were, uh, you know, we trusted each other that we could do this together. And so that's, that's really how that whole bit started. At what point did you know that you were into something special? Because you'd worked in a number of bakeries, mm-hmm. and we, I can't assume that they weren't special. Mm-hmm. But you, had, you, were, you, know, you were part of a, a, an iconic restaurant, a mm-hmm. bakery in, mm-hmm. in Portland. At what point did you know, hey, this is, this is really special, either the bakery and I assume going into the pizza then you knew, all right, well, we got, we got a nice foundation here that probably I'm guessing wasn't as much as a surprise that it would become what it became. No, no. I I do think there was like one point where I was still doing part-time for him. And I just kind of was, you know, looking for other things just to see what was out there. And I got offered um, a job at another very excellent bakery for, basically like a six of one, you know, hours, money, responsibility. And I'm just like, "Mm, I don't see why I should change horses, you know, in midstream on this one. And then shortly after that, I moved up to full-time and then production manager. And I'm like, okay, there's definitely a future here. This is a guy who has built a business from like very small in terms of customer base to like, profitability in a few years, which is really tough in our industry. Um, And, you know, was getting a lot of name recognition. Um, So, you know, it was, it was when he wanted to do something 
different, that was like a good indicator that, and so that we could do that. And then I mean, Monday night pizza, it took off like instantly. It was never not busy right from the start. Um, I mean, granted we put out a really good product, um, something that no one else was doing at the time. I mean, I think Shoals was doing pizza, um, about that time and, you know, certainly a different style, but in terms of that, like Neapolitan and keeping things, you know, with the pizza margarita and, um, using the, the Neapolitan as a base for jumping off, just happened to be sending it out of like a lower temperature bread oven, um, than, you know, say a wood fired oven. But we were, I think the first who were doing anything like that in town. Um, and it took off right away. It's pretty crazy how that took off and then mm-hmm. how all now, I mean, it's like a new pizza place opening all the time. Oh, seriously. And yeah. It's hard to keep up with them. Um, I find it interesting that you were talking about Ken putting his retirement on the line mm-hmm. and the epilogue is he earned all that back and he right. looks like he's having a pretty good retirement now in Hawaii. Right. Yeah. So. No. And, I, and the, the thing that I always like give him credit for is that he really did put it out there. He really did put it on the line um, when, and just a, an interesting um, point when opening the pizza shop, like his plan was um, that he and I would um, partner up in that one and that he was going to provide the money and I was going to provide the sweat equity. And um, he had a plan that he was going to hit up a bunch of investors who had, you know, been hanging around the bakery and just saying like, Hey, anytime you need an investor, I'm here for you. And then he put a proposal, he reached out and, you know, apparently that was a lot of talk and nobody actually felt like investing. And so he was taken aback, but he said, you know, we're going to do it anyways. And so he, again, you know, put it on the line one more time to open a new business and it paid off pretty instantly. So I thought that that was, uh, you know, a a bold move on his part, um, both to open the bakery and to open the pizza shop uh, together. And in retrospect, that was probably the best way to go. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. (laughs) Having no investors, you know, having no investors was nice, because then it was really just the two of us needing to make decisions together in terms of what we wanted the vision of the place to do both the look, the feel, the food, the service, and not having to have investors chiming in was, uh, was great. Yeah. And you know, I find from my limited experience in Mm -hmm. life and business that talk is cheap. So a lot (laughs) of people say, I'm going to do this or I I want to do this. And then when it comes time to write the check it's a whole different thing yeah it's just uh, like oh you get preferential treatment because you know hey i can use you as an investor and then when it's time to actually put the money up it's uh all of a sudden you know you your your arms are short and you can't reach your pockets i hadn't even thought of it from that perspective so the talk was just to get uh reservations and i mean who knows and free pizza maybe i mean you know people love to to feel magnanimous about things so but um yeah yep yeah, well, that's the side of it I hadn't thought of. So you're now, uh, what, about seven months into Lucky Horseshoe. Yep. Was that on your own? Is this all on your own? Do you have to worry about investors? We do uh, not. On any- 
No, no investors. Yeah, no, no, we do not. No, and you know, and I, um, part of what got um, Rally Pizza in Vancouver was I had a partner um, who knew what my track record was, and he had a property that he wanted to develop, and uh, it was a very good relationship, um, and uh, got a lot of support. And was very happy with the partnership and very happy with uh, a hands-off investor. Um, and it was somebody who had lots of restaurant investments. And then, you know, the pandemic. There's a hit. glutton for punishment. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, so um, during the um, pandemic, um, he had already shed some of his investments. And then during the pandemic, um, he shed the rest of them. And we were the last ones going because we were actually doing pretty well in the pandemic and, you know, making some money. And, and, um, we were no problem, but then, um, post pandemic, uh, you know, competition being what it was, um, things, uh, got a little bit tighter and then, um, we were sitting on a little bit of money and I wanted, Sean and I wanted to do a second location or something along those lines. And my partner just, just wanted to shed his last responsibility. So it wasn't anything where we were failing. It was just, we, he just wanted out. And so we did a, a buyout and we left on very nice terms and we're still in touch um, and I'm super appreciative of it, everything that he did. And um, part of the deal was we got to keep the name, the concept, uh, the whole bit. So we just opened a new LLC with the similar name. And uh, Rally Pizza is now just uh, solely Sean and mine. That's fantastic. And, I, you know, I don't think there's a, a business that's better positioned through, hopefully we don't deal with another pandemic, but the pandemic that you went, you know, pizza is kind of, mm -hmm. it's set up for that, not knowing mm -hmm. that ahead of time. So it's good that you were, um, you know, you were able to sustain it, but still it was a little difficult. It's a little stressful going through that for any restaurant owner. And one can understand where if you had an investor who had a number of restaurants that, you know, that pandemic would have been, been yeah. a scary thing and, and yeah and and, and led a to a decision them, to get out of the business sure and well, i mean a lot of them too were also um larger sit down sort of places um whereas we were pizza and so we were very well positioned and we already had to go we already had online ordering we already had doordash and all that stuff uh so we were just able to i mean we literally on Sunday, that was our last day of in-person dining. We opened up Monday as a to-go only restaurant, did not skip a beat, and just like kept rolling right through. So, Sean, just to get to you a little bit. Um, hello. <laughs> hello. So, the, uh, you were the pastry chef at Ken's Artisan Pizza, which is, yes. I think, a little bit of pressure, right? Working, working under a guy who's got pastry pretty well set at the bakery and so you know those were some discerning that was a discerning palate and uh of course one with a lot of pride in the restaurant that, that that's commendable to be have done that for so long well thank you yeah it was a it was a really great seven years i had pretty much free reign with um what i wanted to do 
five dishes all the time and uh, usually like three kinds of gelato that I was making. And, um, you know, honestly, I didn't see a lot of Ken because he was there at night when the place was open and I was only there during the day. Um, I will tell you, Alan put me through my paces because, you know, he uh, um, it, it was my first like pastry chef restaurant job. I had only done bread in restaurants prior to that, um, even though I'd gone to school for, for pastry and I knew, you know, I knew my way around the kitchen and everything. But as far as like plated desserts, that was the first time that I had done that. And um, he is much better at plate up than I am, had much more practice and stuff like that than, than I did. And uh, yeah, he, he, he did not take it easy on me. And I uh, came out at the end of that seven years, much better pastry chef, I will say. Um, but it was, it and was your a really marriage was still and, going. Your marriage was yeah, still know, alive yeah. to do stuff on you. <laughs> it's a miracle, so, but it was, I mean, it was cool doing, you know, having just the, just the wood oven, also for a while we we uh, eventually had a um a convection oven in the back but i mean there's no range there's no you know oven oven it's just like i i pretty much had to do everything out of a out of a wood oven which is cool because it kind of helps you edit um well yeah only, but also so you can't you regulate can you can't regulate the temperature you just know that's what the temperature is going to be and i got to work around that correct i mean yeah. i don't know i'm not a i so. mean you, you you can to an extent. And, um, it was, uh, usually my job to start the fire every day, um, which I loved. We had, uh, had a wood oven before, um, in the bread bakery that we had, uh, in, in Detroit, um, which was, uh, it was a, a different kind of wood oven, but, uh, I, I, I do love a wood oven. I would love to have another one someday. That's my, one of my favorite things to do is build a fire. Every time we go camping, I build the fire when we have a fire pit in the yard, that's my job. So <laughs> it was a good time. Well, that's good. I like my, uh, not, I like my real fire places over, um, gas fired, uh, fireplaces. I can't definitely, deal with that. I need definitely. to hear the crackling. I need to hear the wood. So, uh, but 25 years together and going through a number of jobs and businesses, uh, that's, that's pretty awesome because most people, 25 years in a relationship period with separate jobs where you come home and you have different stories to tell, um, <laughs> but to go through a lot of the trials and tribulations of, uh, in the industry. Um, have you had any, have you had hairy moments or is it you, you got this down and you know how to, you know how to, uh, navigate? I mean, sir, I mean, every marriage has hairy moments, right? But, uh, you know, especially when raising uh, a young child together. But I, I honestly, I think that it's easier, at least, um, at least for me. Uh, and I think I can speak for Alan as well. Um, you know, we're not like, we're not itching to get out of work and go home and see each other because we're both there. And our daughter is almost always there too. And so, you know, it's like we're not missing out on family time because we're all like hanging out in the kitchen. I mean, not hanging out, we're working, but you know, um, it, uh, we, it, it, it's not, I think that we're able to do kind of better at our jobs because there's, there's no pressure to go home from the yeah, other well, person. Go ahead, Al. Oh, I was go just going to say, like, you know, certainly just like, in terms of how we work together, um, I would say that what Shanja said that our, our daughter 
works with us. So if like we were constantly a nightmare couple to work <laughs> next to that, like, I mean, she is not a glutton for punishment and she does call it like she sees it. And she, she, you know, has no problem speaking up. And, uh, yet she comes to work four days a week with us and, um, volunteers for good shifts and is involved in menu creation and the whole bit. So that, that says at least something about our working style <laughs> together. So. Yeah, and that's a step beyond what I was kind of alluding to before. Is now you got three people, and uh, you know, offspring there too. I worked for my father right out mm-hmm. of college, and I couldn't get out of there fast enough. <laughs> so, you know, your everybody's relationship is different, but mm-hmm. you know, I I saw things I didn't like, and then my mom was there too. It was it wasn't good. So, <laughs> good for all of you for being able to navigate that, yeah. and I think it's really cool. That most, you know, many times children growing up just as a matter of course don't want to do what their parents did. They want to go out and be independent and try something new. So the fact that you provided an environment and a, and a vocation that was so appealing to her, that's pretty cool. I think that's good. Yeah. We, 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 we are super happy with that super fortunate about that everybody gets a kick out of that and and just like one more aside uh she lives across the street from us so i was just gonna ask if she's under the same roof (laughs) no no no. she she moved out like uh when she as soon as she turned 18 um for college and i mean she was technically already like staying at a, a friend's house who she moved in with um through the end of high school um not out of anything bad just because their house was way more fun than ours. They had a the bigger, bigger setup and, and we have a very small house with one bathroom and um, we were not the most amazing roommates, the three of us uh, for the end of high school. And, but then she got out, she got out of the house and then um, house across the street opened up and she moved into there and she's lived across the street from us for like four years now. And, you know, was over yesterday to, borrow the cat carrier and to get the leftovers that I brought her home from work, you know, so kind of thing. So, and, and we watch each other's cats on vacation. So it's, it's a pretty sweet setup. That's a Benny. So I have a, well, I raised my kids myself and I'm the one who actually moved out. So they're still in that house that I moved out of. Nice. um, Nice. But yeah, at some point. So, um, well, that's pretty awesome. Gets to, I was going to say when the neighborhood gets to gets to the point where it's not big enough for the three of us, then, you know, she'll probably kick us out at some point. Well, <laughs> you got two doors between you. So you yes. got that. I think you got that going for you and that's good. And there's, there is a definite benefit to having uh pet care while you're traveling. Built oh in pet yeah. Care. Built in pet care is great. <clears throat> yeah. I'm, I'm grappling with that maybe changing soon, but um, at any rate, um, that's a good thing. And I really, I, I do, I think we missed, I missed the boat by not asking for Sage to be here. Cause I would have loved to have heard some of her perspective, but it does mean we it, can't have her on the podcast in the future and let her say a, what she wants without a, you there. It would have been an arm <laughs> twist to get her on. She is, uh, you, you'll rarely see her pop out of the kitchen 
It's just like, oh, there's too many people out there. I'm just going to eat my dinner in the kitchen kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but she's, she's friendly with our regulars and friendly with our friends, but uh, not, not big on self-promotion. But um, if you can get her on, uh, she's a hoot. Yeah, no, I assume. And, you know, we have a lot of people. Or this is, mm-hmm. we're just completing 10 years of this podcast. Right. You think everybody has wanted to come on? <laughs> there, <laughs> no, a lot of people are uncomfortable. And I guess it's my job to try to make them as comfortable as possible. So how we doing so far? We're up to like, uh, you know, we've got a, 20 minutes in, a little more than that. We doing okay? You guys, oh, yeah, you two definitely. are okay oh, with being yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. No, no. Great. Well, good. We'll give you a moment to think about that because I want to go uh, take a break now to hear a word from our friends at Ringside. And we will come back with Alan and Sean or Sean and Alan, however we want to put it, in, uh, in about a minute, right after this word. All right, Chris, we are pausing just a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat in Portland, Ringside Steakhouse. And I'm going to say... If you care about service and you like good service, great service, Ringside is the place. I mean, I've discussed this with a number of friends. There's nowhere in Portland that has better service than Ringside. Now, there may be some that have as good at times, but Ringside, you know you're going to be taken care of when you go in. So Every single time. Absolutely. And it's cozy, and it's the food is great. Let's not forget that. But uh, if you want to take someone and, and make them feel special, ringside is the place. And why not take them on, say, a Monday night where all night long it's their prime rib three-course dinner special. You get mixed greens. You get the prime rib, of course, along with the horseradish and Yorkshire pudding. And then you can wrap it all up with creme brulee. Are you a Yorkshire pudding fan, Court? I enjoy it, yeah. I yeah. love it. And uh, I know that I, I've enjoyed it all uh, quite often with their prime rib special, but also I've had the we've had the batter. We we got the batter in a kit. I don't know if they offer that, but we asked for it, and we mm-hmm. made Yorkshire pudding here uh, for some friends, and it was just delicious. So oh, very nice, yeah, very nice. And also, are you aware? Yes, you are that they have merchandise now. I'm looking at their their apron. A ringside apron? Who wouldn't want a ringside apron for grilling outside or or inside? Yeah. Now, I, I, I've been envious of these for some time, and they introduced these last year. And, uh, it'd be, you know, for the ringside fan in your life, a great way to surprise them with something different. Right. And it's always nice to get a gift when it's not Christmas, when someone's just not expecting a gift. Yeah. That's the best time to surprise someone. So I would suggest take someone you love to ringside and then go to the bathroom and come back with a t-shirt, a hat, or a, or a, uh, or an apron. One of the, the, one of those. A little surprise. Yes, exactly. You can uh, make reservations a couple of different ways. You can go to the website ringsidesteakhouse.com. That's, of course, where you can find out all the different hours, um, things that are going on at uh, Ringside Steakhouse. Make your reservations there or hop on the Open Table app and make it through the app. Exactly. Best thing you can do. Ringside on West Burnside, or you can find them at ringsidesteakhouse.com. All right, we're back with Sean and Alan, and you go by different last names, right? Yes. Yes. 
yes. you never you you never made the decision to no, merge no. those. I, I I kept my uh, very long Italian name Maniscalco, and Sean is Wickham, and our daughter is hyphenated, so she has um, a name that is often too long for computer forms. That's a long yeah, she, one, she, and that's yeah. She hated a, that in, in kindergarten. Let me tell you, that uh, was. <laughs> oh my god! And just yeah. checking into anywhere yeah. is just like what? Excuse me, and that, yeah. you got to spell everything out. So, um, well, that that's interesting. But at any rate, you are all three can be found at uh, Lucky Horseshoe, and mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about that and how that came about. Uh, over on Clinton, really nice neighborhood oh, over sure. near, you know, next door to Broder and right next to the Clinton Street Theater, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we are the um, 26th Street side of the um, Clinton Street Theater. So, um, and on the other side is the Clinton Street Pub. So, not to be confused, we have the corner location with the lovely windows. Oh, good. Always nice to have lovely windows, especially, mm-hmm. you know, it's good for customers, but it's also good for all of you oh, to yeah. be able to look out. Mm-hmm. It's a great dog a, neighborhood, so it's just like dog watching all day, so that's pretty great. Is there a bad dog neighborhood in Portland? I know, seriously, right? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> They're all good, and I saw that you uh, you welcome dogs onto your patio, which mm-hmm. is really, really cool. Um so that's good. So how did the idea come about and how did the how did the logistics come about for you to open that? Um well we were uh we were looking for uh as Alan was saying earlier that that second location for rally uh which was unfortunately not to be um but uh we we knew that that we still wanted to do something else besides rally whether that you know, kept going or not. Um, and so, um, we, uh, kept looking, um, and we, uh, had, had talked to a broker about the, um, space that we were originally thinking for a second rally spot. Um, and, uh, she, she actually suggested the lucky horseshoe to us, um, because she thought that it was, it was a really cool space and it had an underutilized kitchen, um, that she thought that maybe we could have a good time in. And, uh, we, we looked at a bunch of places, um, and we, we found a few that we thought about making, making an offer on. Um, but once we saw that place, that was, that was pretty much it. It's just such a, it's such a cool space. Um, and it, it, it's been the lucky horseshoe since, uh, 2014. Um, so we kept the name, uh, and we kept the uh, like like the color scheme and everything inside uh, on, on the walls, um, just because we thought we we just thought it looked great already, and we couldn't we couldn't do better than that ourselves probably. Um, and also, uh, Alan's last name uh, in Italian uh, means blacksmith or farrier, and so we thought you know with the horseshoe thing that that was a nice connection to have. Um, yes, so, and the horseshoe and I mean, is a, a horseshoe is a um, Italian, particularly a Southern Italian good luck charm, same as it is in many cultures. Uh, um, it's the it points down. So when we took over, we flipped the horseshoes um, all around from pointing up to down. So that that was our big contribution. You mean it's it points down in Italy? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So apparently, it's you know because you know it's it's Italy. It's like uh, you know uh, a, a fertility symbol. So mm-hmm. re- resembles fallopian tubes and all that stuff. And uh, so yes, yes. So, <laughs> so, so so hence that that is that is the Italian version of the horseshoe good luck charm. So. All right. So it's probably something you don't get into that your servers don't get into with customers to explain, to go as far Not as that much. Oh, Not you, that you much. meet our servers. Yeah. They'll get into it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it is a bar bar. Uh, we, we, you know, we are, we are a nice family, uh, location, but we are also a bar and, uh, we have a good time. Good. So I'm curious, speaking of Italy, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, having, uh, baked pizza, over the years and being a great pastry chef, have you done a lot of travel over there to get a, uh, a taste and a feel to be able to get some ideas or just know exactly what they're doing over there? Sean and I had um, a good two week run a few years back where we, we did Italy and, you know, mostly food. And then previous to that, like right before Sean and I met, I had done like a six week travel around um, and, mm-hmm. and, um, pizza and bread, um, along with food were definitely like what I was there, what I was seeking out, what I was like popping my head into. Um, so yeah, but no, definitely like, I think, uh, I going to speak for Sean on this one, but mostly what we took away from our Italy trip would be gelato. It was like gelato, well, was- gelato every day, at least once a day, sometimes multiple times a day. Well, that is, uh, you can't go wrong, too, in many parts of Italy. And granitas, that's, I don't Definitely. know if you had an opportunity to have those, too. But. Um, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we, we, we mixed and matched. So, you know, had, if, if the flavor was uh, not gelato and was sorbetto, then we would mix it in there. So, I don't think most people know the difference as long as it's delicious. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, o- over in Italy, it's, it's, all, it's all so good. So it's great. Yeah, and the and the pizza can vary over there too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was that was surprising. Like when I was in Naples, I didn't have a bad pizza in Naples. Um, Had some pretty good pizza in Rome, and then the farther away you got from there, the slightly more difficult it was to find it. Um, And when we were there, um, we had some that was good, and then if it didn't look great, we would kind of check it before we would eat it then we would just be like all right well let's get something else off the menu kind of thing um and then the thing that i really appreciated uh when i was there the first time was roman style pizza and so i think um sean and i spent a lot of time um in michigan putting out roman style pizza at wherever we were and that was a big success so how does that vary from neapolitan um roman is uh it is big and it's closer to focaccia than mm-hmm. than it is to pizza it's just it's you know dough's a little bit wetter it's a little bit thinner it's not quite as bready um it's you know over there they sell it by the the kilo um and some places will sell it by the piece um but you can also like sell it by the kilo and uh is it's just a really nice dough that is somewhere close to ciabatta that you stretch out and you minimally top and it's just fantastic so and you've you've uh avoided the Detroit style pizza having come from Michigan is that true? All right, Sean, you take this one please and thank okay. you. 
Good. I'm glad um, I arrived at, at, a, at, at an area where you would want to hand it off. Well, uh, yeah, the funny thing is, I mean, when we, we, we were in Detroit for five years and I did not hear Detroit style pizza. I don't think once while we were there, never had it, didn't know a place that made it. Um, I heard about it in Portland and I guess that's a thing, <laughs> but and I you mean, you probably said, we, what the, what the fuck is that? Oh yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Like I'm we, just like, what? <laughs> What, like what, what would that be for, for pizza and the pizza places that everybody would be like, these are the good pizza places. They were like normal, you know, New York ish style pizza places. And so whenever people talk about like, oh, yes, this Detroit style, there might have been one or two kicking around downtown. But, you know, like we knew where the Coney places were. We knew where the burger places were downtown. Um, but in terms of like Detroit style pizza. So yeah, we're, we're a little bit skeptical about the Detroit pizza craze. So if somebody wants to come on your show and set us straight and like illuminate, no, you didn't go to this place and that place and that place, then fine. But even when we talk to our like (laughs) lifers from Detroit, they're like, whatever. So that's our two cents on Detroit style. Well, I have a similar take. You know, I come from the New Haven area. Mm-hmm. So hearing everybody out here start to talk about this is New Haven style pizza mm-hmm. and then going there and saying, well, wait a minute. Right. You know, New Haven had a style. They didn't really talk about it. Right. They mm-hmm. just talked about their ovens. Yeah. The, the, the oil Coal fired, fired right? ovens. I think they're oil fired. Oil uh, fired. most of them, but, um, but when I started going out here, the pizza was good, mm-hmm. but it's like, no, 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 no. This is not, it's not charred in the same way. And it's not the same thing. I think people were using that just to draw people in as a, you know, that's cool. New Haven is cool when it yeah. comes to pizza. And it is. I don't know if you've yeah. been there or not. No, um, no, I have not. But oh, yeah, see, but there's a, there's a field I, yeah. trip you need yeah. to do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like yes, I have, definitely some, I have we do. like I have, uh, one of my former, um, guys from both Ken's and rally, um, who was, um, involved in like the pizza pop-up world. Um, he's got a little pop-up that pops up here and there called uh rocket surgery, uh, named mm-hmm. Cameron Winchester. And he's a big new Haven fan. And, um, he and I, because his he has people back in Massachusetts, and so um, he and I would make a New Haven ripoff while we were at Rally, and yeah, it was thin, it was minimally topped, it had like a nice dry cheese on it, and we would we had a two deck gas oven, and the upper deck was a lower temp, so it cooked a little bit slower so you could leave it in there, get it really, really crisp, get a lot of color on it. And it looked like everything I had seen from new Haven. And he said that it was very similar and we were really excited and we passed it off to a few new Haven people, but it was definitely one of those things that like you had to know it to appreciate it. Other than that, you're like, this pizza is a little dark and it mm-hmm. doesn't have enough topping on it, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so that, that was more just like a, a fun thing that he and I would do. And like, if somebody wanted to talk New Haven, we'd just be like, sit tight, give me about 10 minutes and we'll get you something. Yeah. Well, I've, uh, I've had a few because I harp on it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, white clam pies, and mm-hmm. I've had a few. Scotty made me one mm-hmm. once. Nice. Brought, when when yeah. we actually had a studio, he brought uh-huh. it into the studio, uh, right. which, was, great. which was yeah. yeah, which was pretty cool. But I recall um, that uh, we had uh, the the folks from Gracie's Pizza on, mm-hmm. and. I challenged them a bit on the New Haven style pizza. And it turns out they didn't say that. That wasn't something they came up with to try mm-hmm. to sell their pizza. Mm-hmm. It was, I believe it was someone at Eater or Willamette mm-hmm. Week mm-hmm. who just coined it that way. And mm-hmm. then they had to stick with it. So then they had people like me going in there and going, Oh, right. I'm sorry. This mm-hmm. isn't. And, and so it was interesting to find out, you know, you never know where things come from. You got to check your sources, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was the case there. And I find it interesting that there really was no Detroit-style pizza. I mean, um, again, that's well. just our take as living in five years. So anyway, living I'm not there gonna, for I'm, five yeah. years and being right. into food and pizza right. and having right. never heard of it, I think is pretty good. I mean, yeah, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> like I said, somebody wants to set us straight, bring it. So. Yeah, well, you know, and also things have changed too. So yeah. you haven't been there in a while. So maybe there are, they're all over the place now. Well, no, yes, partially- they have, there has been a resurgence of them as there has been a resurgence of a lot of stuff in Detroit. Yeah, we still have people and it's been about 10 years since we've gone back. But, um, you know, the, it's always in the plan. Yeah, we did, uh, we did a little uh, consulting gig out there, both of us in 2015. Um, so that was, yeah, I guess we were gone for 12 years before we went back and it had changed a lot, uh, between 03 and, uh, 2015 for sure. Um, and I'm sure and it we, has we changed a lot now. Pardon? I'm sure it's changed a lot again. Do you, I'm sure. You, isn't it crazy to think that when you said 2015, that's almost 10 years ago now already. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's, it's going pretty fast. Eek. So. So let's talk a little bit about um, Lucky Horseshoe and what you're doing there and what we, we don't really get into food per se on this podcast. But, um, you know, for those who uninitiated, what are you serving there and what are you enjoying? And you're not doing pizza there. Are you not doing pizza? Oh, we sure are. Yeah. Every every Monday is Pizza Monday. Oh, OK. Just on Mondays. Just on Mondays. Yeah. Um, uh, so well, thanks for uh, correcting I mean, me. Yeah, that, 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 that's okay. Um, uh, but, but yeah, we, we, we're actually having a really good time on pizza Mondays. It is oftentimes, uh, the best day of the week, the busiest day of the week. Um, uh, I know that we were completely full last night a couple of times. Um, so we, we, we only have 35 seats, so it's not, it's not, um, you know, it's not like at rally where we had a hundred or anything, um, that was but, a big uh, place, rally. It was a big place for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thirty-five seats. We have four staff, which is great. Um, it's uh, much easier to uh, much easier to to manage in a more like personal way. Um, but we are do you serving pizza selected pizzas, like prescribed pizzas, or can someone come in and order what they want? We we do four pizzas. Um, and they, uh, the menu changes every two weeks. Um, I may have sent you a menu. I'm not sure. If not, you I'll probably send you one. did. I went on your website, and that's why I missed okay. the Monday night. I didn't see. Yes, that, so yes. So, um, so, uh, so yeah. So, well, so, so we do four four pizzas at a time. They change every two weeks. The one 
uh, constant pizza that, that, that we keep on is marinara with burrata, um, mm-hmm. because people will riot if we get rid of it. Um, so that one's always there. And then we'll usually do, um, uh, a couple of, uh, meat pies, like, a. I think right now we have a salami pie, uh, a couple kinds of salami, uh, and um, last night, the the pie that outsold everything else was the um, meatball and fresh mozzarella pie. You got me um, on that one. Yeah. And yeah, right. we had the meatball on for a yeah. good long while and then took it off. And this was the first um, uh, return in about four or five months. And yeah, it, it uh, flew out. So yeah, we uh, blew through all our fresh mozz on the last pie. So the last pie went to our friends and they got a mixture of uh, fresh mozz and burrata on their meatball pie. So it looked good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, but if you were in New Haven, you would be calling it moots. Just yeah. So. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so when, when the, when the server takes your order there, they say you want moots on it all the time. You can have it without cheese too. So, um, uh, just kind of find that interesting. Meatball pies are big. You know, once I just went to Naples not long ago mm-hmm. and I found out that sausage isn't really a thing there. And that's a lot of salami on pies. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. to, you have to navigate that. I wasn't used to it, but, but when in Rome or Naples, mm-hmm. you, you do what they do and learn some new things as well. But yeah, a lot of yeah, salami so, here in Portland. Yeah. yeah we, so there's no shortage uh, of it. That, that's, uh, like, one of the things we're doing a lot more at Horseshoe on pizza night is salami on pies, uh, no pepperoni, just like varying salamis all the time. And between like cowbell and other suppliers, we're getting some really nice, uh, salamis, putting them on pies and, uh, did one with uh, Rosette de Leon two weeks ago, which is, and then, you know, caramelized onions, Gruyere, some oil cured olives. And that was like possibly like, mine and Sean's favorite pie that we've done in the last six months. That's cruelty. It's not yeah. the, Sorry. it's not the pizza hour right <laughs> you now. Know, you you yeah. gotta get in. So well, I got, I got a couple fan. of comments on that. I'm a p- pizza fan and I'll eat any pizza, but uh, you know, anybody who listens to this podcast would probably anticipate that I would ask, would you make a white clam or have you made white clams? And well, then the, the secondary question is shells on or shells off. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna field that one. Uh, so two, Thank you. yeah. Uh, so two things. Um, we have upcoming um, the 23rd is a Saturday since we are closed on Christmas, which is the normal Monday. We are doing pizza on the 23rd, and then mm-hmm. we are doing. Um, we're also going to be closed. Well, no, uh, New Year's Day is Monday, so we're doing uh, that. Um, so on the 23rd. We are doing a clam pie, so we only break that one out for special occasions. Um, it might not be the clam pie that you're thinking. I will take the uh, – I am not doing shell on. Um, Good. Steam it. They steam don't belong the, on. Yeah, steaming the Thank clams you. first. And, and I, I got a reason for that. I'll tell you in a second. Uh, steaming the clams, <laughs> pulling the clams out, taking the clam liquor, making a bechamel out of that, putting a little mm. of that on the pizza with a lot of black pepper and pecorino, then putting a little bit of mozzarella on it, then a little gremolata. So it's very clam forward. Um, so that is our clam pie on uh, the 23rd. Um, and the reason I don't do shells is because we had a wood oven. And the shells explode. 
And yeah, well, that's so, kind of a good idea. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just like, you <laughs> know, like, I mean, that. we, yeah, we, we tested one out and literally first one we tested out, like exploding shells, like not only ruin that pie, but ruin the pie next to it. And, um, you know, just like, and plus I just, I just think it, it looks cool, but it's awkward as hell to like have it's, to pick up the shell, take the clam out, put it on there. And now you've got like this, like big hole in your pie that, that I, and a cold that, pizza yeah. by the time and you a, play around yeah. with all of right. that. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, and so, on top of that, you mentioned the clam liqueur or liquor, mm-hmm, whatever yeah, you uh-huh, call it. Uh-huh. That does, that gets baked into the shell, which right. only just gets to get dumped on. Whereas right. if you if you put the clam in the pie, you yeah. get more clam flavor. Yeah. So I'm I think so that, glad you I, said that. You have total shell, cred with me. Yeah, the, the shell is just an, the shell is aesthetic. It looks good. It looks good on the gram, but you know mm. you got to eat it. So, well, I can't really say that because I grew up without it. So when I came out here and saw there's a couple of places which I'll will remain nameless, but mm-hmm. the some of the big ones in mm-hmm. Portland, when I saw the shells on it, I, it, it didn't look good to me because it's <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah. And, and, uh, and plus it's a little, if you're going to use the little manila clams, because mm-hmm. back East, they have mm-hmm. the, sure. the cherry stones, right, they're bigger clams, really nice which and are sharp. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you're going to use these and you got to, in order to get this little teeny manila clam out of the shell and you put it on there and there's just a tiny bite of clam, you may as well put all of those on the pie and you do the job of spreading it around properly. All right, enough. I'm a harper. If any, if you haven't figured that out, I'll I'll keep going on about this particular topic. An opinionated East coaster. Interesting. Yeah, it happens. (laughs) And you know, it took me a long time out here to, I have still have not, not a, I still, so my uh, mother was notorious for telling herself she wasn't going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. And within 14 <laughs> seconds, or not even four seconds, it was coming out of her mouth. I'm the same way. It's one of my biggest faults in life. So I can't, I can't help myself. I'm sorry. So, um, but I still, I miss my pizza, but I do get back to Connecticut enough to, uh, to do it. And I sadly found out that one of my favorite, there's a couple of places there, but we've all heard of Pepe's. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, you know, it's still great, but they sold. They're bigger now. They opened a bunch of them all over the place. And mm-hmm. I was very sad to feel that it's, it was either my older palate, because I know that happens to people, or it was them. But it just, when I was there this summer, it just wasn't the same. So um, anyway, that happens. But... um but I hope you get the opportunity to go back there. So what yeah. else are you serving? What else is Sage doing at the Lucky Horseshoe? Okay. So um, the, other, the other six days and that night. Yes. Um, so, so it's uh, pastas and sandwiches and salads, um, gelato for dessert, zeppoli, um, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, the, 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 kind of uh, Sage's crown jewel as far as pasta goes is the rigatoni with Sunday gravy, which only happens on Sundays. Um, and so pretty much every ticket has a rigatoni with Sunday gravy on it on, on Sunday, which is great. So a lot of, lot, lot of rigatoni, a lot of red wine on Sundays, which is really fun that, that, that people come in specifically for that. Um and the other, the other uh, kind of specialty of hers is a uh, cacio e pepe mac and cheese, mm. um, 
that uh, is is a, a dish that she you know kind of perfected over the last few years, and so it's on the menu, and that's that's one of our best sellers. Um, meatball sandwich, our, our uh, meatball parm is uh, also usually at the top of the charts for sales, and so that's um, <clears throat> it's beef beef pork and ricotta meatballs with um, ricotta cream and um, marinara and. Uh, nice, um, melted cheese on a, on a sub bun. Um, and it is super delicious and we sell a ton of those too. That's something Uh, you don't get a lot of out here out West. When I, when you find a good meatball parm, that is, uh, we we, we get a lot of East coast love for the, for our meatball parm. So yeah. Definitely make sure that you, you the, grab one of those. That on the pizza, I'm sure it's the same meatballs on the pizza, right? Same. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, well, that's cool. I have to get. So now I know. I'm marking in my calendar. I need to get in on a <laughs> Sunday or Monday night. But we're coming in. I think Saturday. Going to j- jump by for a little while, but not eating. Just a drink and maybe an appetizer on our way somewhere. So that should be good. Do you get? Speaking of that, do you to get the opportunity to go out? and dine in Portland very often? Or are you too busy to do that? Or you just eat at the restaurant? We get out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we, we do. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say as often as, as we would like, we're a little behind on getting to um, all the new places that have, that have opened, especially over the last year, because we've been busy opening two places of our own. But, um, but yes, we do get, we do get out and about. Well, I want to ask you where some of your favorite places have been over the years, or maybe some of the new ones that you've discovered. And I find it, I was just, I find it interesting that you had mentioned that you hadn't got out to the new places because there are still a lot of great old, older places that are definitely still out there that aren't the shiny new things on Eater. And, um, you know, they need business too. So what are some of your favorite spots over the years or recently? Um, my, my mom was just here visiting, um, and I'll tell you where we took her, uh, which was Higgins Bar for lunch. There you go. Um, which is one of our favorite places ever. Um, so we, we took her there. We took her to Kachka and did the whole, um, I don't remember what it's called, but the whole, you know, Zakuski, table. Zaku- yeah. Yeah. Zakuski. Yeah. Something. There is Zakuski. Thank you. Uh, we, yeah, so we we went there. We went to uh, Bluto's, um, which uh, we just discovered when we were uh, opening the horseshoe, and we uh, we we ate there a lot while we were uh, doing construction um, because it's just always always so well done. Uh, yeah, and I agree. Feels relatively healthy to me, so I, I like to go there. Um, where else have we been, Alan? Lately, and then we took her to Screen Door. So, and screen door, got, yeah, screen yeah, door, of course. Yeah, people screen, door screen door or new screen door? Uh, we, uh, we went, went to new, new screen door. Because it's an uh, easy reservation. There you go. Yeah, but food, just... food, food uh, identical both places. So uh, never never have a complaint with that one. But yeah. Um, and then, so. yeah, up the up the street from us, we've got Hat Yai. So that's a, that's a usual. And then like our hidden gem section is uh good old uh hollywood and sandy that's where we hit a lot for um food you know the the chinese up and down sandy and the bars in that neighborhood 
Yeah, nice. Six They're pens, so good I they think. knocked your earbuds out, the thought I of know. that. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, those are some those are some uh yeah, those are some good ones. That's the way to look at it. When I ever ask anybody their favorites, it's where would you take someone from out of town or where would you tell someone that they need to go? And, you know, when someone says they have one or two days, that's almost an impossible thing to recommend. It is. But, but oh, we did uh, new one new place that I will give a shout out to that we just went to was uh, Alpenrausch. Um, so that's the new uh, Olympia Provisions spot on Division um, that is kind of a ski chalet situation now. Right. Um, and we, we just, uh, took some friends out there, uh, I think maybe the week after they, after they opened and that was fantastic. So definitely like that place too. We'll be back. Well, you know, anything they do is going to be great because they have, absolutely, they got so much history and they've got so much good product and they know what they're doing. And, um, yeah, they're very familiar with that area. So that's number one on my list. Uh, once that opened up of all the new spots, I want to get over there. And I like that. That food is, is very interesting. Yeah, the, so. definitely uh, treat yourself to the raclette service. That's that's a fun one. All right. Yes, the the cheese. That's, yeah, uh, they got the little raclette warmers and with the little candle under it. And, and it's just such a such a great underappreciated cheese. All right. Well, thanks for that recommendation. And thanks for wetting our chops for both of your spots. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about to be multi-riveral yes. on both sides of the river. So um, there, there's options uh, for both of you up there. I wish you a lot of luck because both are relatively new ventures. Mm-hmm. And you got, you know, you're still in, I guess, a little bit of learning mode, but also you don't if you're filling it up on most nights if you got a full house that's uh you just have a little tweaking to do if that (laughs) and you got a good thing going so that's fantastic it's good to hear well thank you and i'm surprised we haven't run into each other earlier on in the ball game at least as far as this podcast is concerned i i did pick up pizza at rally in vancouver so i ran into you in that in that regard a good while ago and I was glad I did. Good. Well, well, glad, you. glad you had a good experience with it. Good. So we'll look you up. Uh, are you going to be in on Saturday night? If, if, if we're open, we're there. Well, yeah, pretty uh, much. <laughs> actually, this is, it, I say that, but then we're dipping out to a friend's Christmas party. So um, okay. on, on the slightly earlier side would be better on this Saturday. But All right. Well, yeah. we'll we're coming in a little early. It's pre-dinner okay. so great. um then perfect then we will be there great perfect yeah well it depends on how early it is but at any rate i'm glad to have had the opportunity to chat with you here and um and i hope that our i'm sure our listeners will have uh been it's been a pleasure to hear from you too so thanks well, thanks for so having much. us Yes, thank oh, you no. so much. That's a lot of fun. Thanks, and thanks for dealing with the technology because uh, we got <laughs> both of you in separate rooms there, and uh, it's we didn't we didn't have any problems. We've had problems with two guests before, so thanks uh, for bearing with us and uh, appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com.